and welcome to the first take of the intro for Love Letters. I'm your host, Jesse Munro. Tonight, I'll be sitting down with somebody to talk about a movie, a game, or in this case, a TV show that is most important to them. I have a very special guest on tonight. Someone who genuinely knows what they're on about when it comes to pop culture. So it's going to be a bit of a different episode. You may know him from his Q Train adverts or as one half of the Brilliant Hunting Seasons podcast. Rest in peace. A man with a chest you can eat cereal off and a surname I always butcher is Mr. Broderick Gordev. How you doing, buddy? The, I'm good. The Q Train train. real deep cut. Did not see that coming. Yeah, you always take your drink That's, out there. Uh, yeah, I did. That was just, that was completely out of left field. I, uh, well done you on your research. Who, who, how'd you dig that one up? I'm like Nardwa. Okay. I'm going to start finding out really <laughs> weird shit about people. I've now seen pictures of you with hair. Okay. I also heard about mm, mm. you have like, oh God. you could eat cereal off your sternum. Correct. You've been talking to Joel. I have been okay, talking to Joel. Enough. This makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? It's been a while. I'm good. I'm good. I've a uh, very different place in life since the last time you probably heard from me. I've got a child now. Mm. You might hear her in the background occasionally as we get through this tonight. Um, where I have a little daughter, Harriet. She's 11 weeks old now. Yay. So, yes, learning to be a dad, which has been fun and challenging, but mostly fun. Good. You, you don't look as tired as I expected you to. I might actually be better slept because I'm making an effort to, like, go to bed at a better time because you do not want to... Like, I, it used to be just my fault if I wasn't sleeping, I, and I only had to look after myself mostly, not another human being, so I'm trying to sleep more. I probably am better rested. It's a complete paradox. See, you heard it here first, folks. Parenthood, pretty easy. Good for your health. Good for your health, you know? Yeah. Brad, we're going to talk about a uh, certain TV show that I'm very glad you brought up. As I've mentioned before, with Love Letters, my initial conceit was video games back in the day, then movies. I didn't really want to touch on TV shows because my whole thing was, oh, I'm going to have to watch the whole thing. And mm. I don't watch that many full TV series. Um, but I'm a bit of a hypocrite because by the time this episode comes out, I've released the episode on Lost. And today we're going to be talking about Community, a show that is very, very important to you. But before we get into why it's important to you, Brad, what is Community? Community is a sitcom, American sitcom that started in the late 2010s. Uh, it was on NBC, created by Dan Harmon, who people probably know now as one of the co-creators on Rick and Morty. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's a live action sitcom set in a community college in the US. So this is something I had to learn about learning about community. There's like if you think of like going to college, you probably think about like. Oxford and those sorts of places, I don't know, you know, MU, I don't know, those sorts of places in the US and like college campuses and sororities and that sort of stuff. And community colleges are sort of like our TAFEs, I guess, here in Australia or something the equivalent of. It's like the the place for the no-hopers to go and learn skills or stuff before they go off. Anyway, it's about a study group at a community college in the US, basically. Greendale, Colorado, I believe. Greendale Community College and uh, the show mm. focuses on the core study group. I'm yes. saying this core study group because there are people that come in and out of this group. The show is known for its absurdity, which involves a lot of A-grade side characters. Shout out to, mm-hmm. shout out to Starburns. We'll get there in a moment. <laughs> so we've got Joel McHale as Jeff Winger, Gillian mm-hmm. Jacobs, Gillian Jacobs as Breda Perry, Danny Pudi as Abed, Abed Nadia, Alison Brie as Annie Edison, Yvette Nicole Brown, Shelley Bennett, Donald Glover, Tardish Gambino himself, Troy Barnes, mm. 
um, a racist as Pierce Hawthorne, Ken Jeong as <laughs> Ben Chang, and Jim Rash, my favorite character of the show, as Dean Craig Dalton. I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on that core group. Standouts, lowlights, racist. I I love them all. I noticed you you pointed out the racist uh, in Chevy Chase as Pierce, but I think Pierce as a character is integral to the group and what makes the group so good. Um, it's a shame that Chevy is Chevy and that the, there's a lot of stuff that went down behind the scenes, which is not necessarily integral to why I love community, but certainly if you're into community, you understand and can dive deep into what happened there. He left the show after season four yep. um, and and there was a lot of stuff in the background. And yet, I think even though he didn't like being on the show, even though he didn't think the show was funny, he did great work as Pierce, and I think Pierce was a really important part of the show. I think what when you talk about that core cast, though, I, I love all of them. Um, Joel McCalla didn't know before this. I didn't know really anyone before anyone in this before I saw the show. Um, they're now all like uh, not A graders. They've all gone on to have careers afterwards, which is good. Um, some of them more successful than others. Alison Brie's probably top of the chain. Ken Jong in particular. Um, Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks came in later down the down the track. Um, but that key, that core study group, that main seven study group plus um, Ken Jong's Chang and and Dean Pelton, I love them all dearly in some weird way. It is one of those things where I've got pretty obvious. I, I haven't really hidden it much. My thoughts on Chevy Chase, but I've started. I rewatched the pilot. Actually, I probably rewatched about three, four episodes today because it it is mm-hmm. one of the ultimate binging shows. Uh Pierce Hawthorne's a really good character. Even season one, like when they're just trying to yeah. work out what his character is going to be, you realize he's so well written. I, I wish they had somebody else from the start. Apparently, Dan Harmon didn't want Chevy. It was the network that really pushed that. I think Chevy was brought in because they were trying to figure out how to draw like an audience. Like this is, you know, made from whole cloth out of nowhere. And Chevy Chase is a name. He hasn't done a lot since, you know, he's much more famous during his National Lampoon days, his Fletch days and stuff like that. But Chevy Chase was still known. So putting him in a sitcom, um, his Saturday Night Live days and stuff like that, putting him in a sitcom was a potentially a big deal when hopefully draw eyes. So that's why he was there. And and yet, I while I agree with you, I also think he does a lot of good work on the show. Yeah, I, I agree. I get, it, it's funny that another show that would have come out around that time as well, um, Always Sunny, had to do the right, mm. the same thing with the studios. Like, you need a big actor in this. Um, and they went with the smallest big actor they, they could, <laughs> and it fit perfectly. Um, uh, yeah, and also he's he is more than just an actor though, Danny DeVito. Like he is an acclaimed director oh, and yeah. a bunch of other things. And profoundly, I suppose I'm aware, not a racist. No, I've heard he's quite a good man. So <laughs> I think so. Hey, thumbs up. You know, I, I forget he directed that Matilda movie. Sometimes he's he like, directed Matilda, and um, I've forgotten the the name of the the woman who played Matilda. But something happened, and he and uh, Rio Perlman, I think, it was his wife at the time. They yeah, took her in. And looked after her. Oh, really? Um, so profoundly good dude. He's a cool guy. If only he was Pierce, is what I'm hearing. Should have got Dave DeVito. Would have been pretty good. Would have been pretty good. Mm. Uh, let's focus on the... You did bring up how the show is a bit of a launching pad. Um, I did have a... When you love characters, I love seeing them in other shows. You get, you get a little like a little boost. I'm watching The Bear. And um, yes. Joel McHale and uh, Gillian Jacobs are both in it. Oh, really? I haven't actually watched much of The Bear oh, yet. Okay, cool. When I started watching it, 
that's why I messaged a group. I'm like, this is a broad show. I think you, you'll yeah. really like it. It is. I've I've seen one episode. Steph, my partner, has watched it. Watched there was, an, and I was just like, oh, I'll just step in and watch this one episode. I think it was ended up being the season finale, and I got to the end of the episode. I went for about twenty minutes and was like, is this the whole show? Because that was that was a one It was like one of those ones. It was like a one take. The entire scene played out in real time. I was like that was fucking amazing. I I'm just backlogged on TV shows at the moment. I need to get back to it, but I'll get there. Yeah, looks there's great. A, there's an episode of season two which is an all star cast and it has some the most powerful act. I keep want to say it's the best acting I've seen this year, but I have I watched Succession this year. I was going to say you've seen Succession. Succession's <laughs> a different, a whole different measure. <laughs> it's very very good. Um, you brought up Alison Brie with um with Glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jonathan Banks with Mike Ermentrout and Breton. Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith David recently got announced as the replacement for uh, Lance Reddick, who sadly passed away. Yes. As Commander Zavala yep. in Destiny, which I think is a really, really good choice. I think it makes perfect sense casting-wise. He's He's got a, a similar vocal presence, for sure. Yeah, there's a certain like gravitas to his voice, which I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, which is why, one of the reasons I like him so much in the show, because he has that gravitas, but says the weirdest shit in this show. Uh, but I also want to just make mention of some of the writers, the Russo brothers, uh, yeah. known for writers and directors. Like they they directed multiple episodes on this. Yep, uh, probably best known for the paintball episodes, which we'll yes. discuss. They made a small indie film called The Avengers, which you may have heard. They of. did. <laughs> Actually, I've never double checked that. Was that was the was it the Russo brothers did the paintball episode? Are you sure that wasn't Justin Lim? I'm pretty sure the, the first paintball one was them. Okay, uh, Modern Warfare. Gotcha. Uh, but there's been like yeah, you're probably right. four or five of them. What was your first? Who were you when you first came across Community? Um, I was at uni at that time, so I'm pretty sure if I remember rightly, I found Community during season two. Actually, so it would have been about 2009, I think, from memory. If I'm getting my um, timelines right. So I was uh, about halfway through a five year course um, at uni. And I was living in Melbourne. I come from Bendigo. I had to move to Melbourne to study. I was living um, with some other students at, uh, in a share house, basically. Um, my girlfriend at the time, if I get my timelines right, she was living in Bendigo as well. So I was sort of only seeing her on weekends or alternate weekends. I had some really good friends at uni as well, but they all have lives as well. They're going back to their families. They live all over Melbourne and stuff like that. So a lot of you, you spend a lot of time alone. I guess you're spending a lot of time, yes, at uni, but also just quiet nights at home studying and stuff like that. And I believe I first heard about community listening to a podcast called the Slash Filmcast, which is now called the Filmcast. Um, one of the first filmcasts I've, uh, podcasts I ever really got into, actually. And um, Davindra Hardware, I'm pretty sure, was talking about community and how great a show it was and sort of this underperforming sitcom on NBC, but like it was doing some amazing stuff. So I thought I'd give it a go. And um, one of those things, you're just trying to fill those lonely nights and uh, yeah, it's you're going through a big adulting stage and it can feel a bit lonely sometimes when you're away from home and those sorts of things. And community was um, a bit of a warm blanket and just tapped into something. I think I've always seemed to, and Damask, my co-host from Hunting Seasons, uh, is very similar. We've always seemed to be attracted to like found family stories. So any of those shows where like Buffy or Firefly, both Joss Whedon uh, shows, obviously, but also uh, Parks and Rec, which I really love as well. That sort of idea of like community, mm-hmm. hence the name, um, but also like 
just friends that form a tight bond and sort of a found family and community really ticked that box for me in a big way. I think it nails it because, yeah, you brought like Parks and Rec and things like that. What I liked about community is it was a found family, but they also all grew together. Like they were able yeah. to develop most of the characters. Some characters they didn't really, I don't think the writers knew what to do with, but for the most part, they all had proper growth. They were very different characters at the end than were at the start. It wasn't just treading the same ground over and over. Yeah. It's an interesting thing about community because I think one of the things that I find incredible about community and what why I wanted to choose this in my love letter, I guess, is because I both love the show for the show as it is and I love the show for what it taught me about television and storytelling in general. And so it wasn't just that me watching community. It was as I've done with many shows in the past, like Futurama, like Buffy. I listen to the commentaries and this sort of stuff and I'm listening to like how the show is made. And Dan Harmon um, has this thing that he's developed from a million years ago, back at the early days of the internet, uh, called the Dan Harmon Story Circle and applies this basically method for creating stories, both short form like TV episodes and long form like movies um, or a season of television and applies it to that. And the Dan Harmon Story Circle sort of the way he can both have everything returned to the status quo at the end of an episode and yet there also have been some growth for the characters over the course of multiple episodes, nay a season, nay an entire show's run, I think is extremely impressive. The writing in Community is great because it is both pitch perfect, super witty, sometimes absurd, great sort of genre, um, skewering, that sort of stuff. It is also heartfelt and um, sentimental and while you think it's leaning towards the ironic, it's actually really sincere. And I think sincerity in writing is something that um, has actually kind of come out of vogue in a big way. Everything has to be like a wink or a nod or um, nothing can be taken too seriously. And I love that there's room in this, in this silly sitcom for some real vulnerability and for some real sincerity and some love, basically. Um, it's one of the things I do like about Parks and Rec as well, though it's more sappy. I don't think community is necessarily sappy. It's just sort of sincere. Um, so I learned a lot from community as much as I just enjoyed being a member of the audience as well. Yeah. I, I like how you, you sum that up because while the show can really delve into the absurd, and I think it does absurd better than any other sitcoms ever done. It lays in these little moments of real like heartfelt moments of character growth and development that they catch you by surprise. And because they catch you by surprise and they're juxtaposed by what's happening. So, Take paintball episode for one. We had that mm. back and forth between Britta and um, uh, uh, Jeff in season one. Mm-hmm. And they finally, the whole like, will they, won't they happens there. But it's surrounded by absurdity. So you don't quite click that the thing this season's been building up to just happened. And then the next episode comes around and there's ramifications of that. But the paintball yeah. stuff's in the distance. It, I always found it did that really well. And He's continued that um, with uh, with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, like absolutely. I think Rick and Morty. We don't have to talk about Justin Roiland anymore, thank yeah, God. Yeah. Um, but the thing that, well, if you want to talk about Rick and Morty for a second, uh, but what is evident, I guess, is if you've ever seen the original Doc and Marty short that created Rick and Morty, right? That's Justin Roiland doing his Justin Roiland gross shtick, right? And then what somehow happened is they've taken that. And that let Dan Harmon and other writers, I'm sure, but Dan Harmon as co-creator of Rick and Morty, put that into a format that actually also has structure 
and heart and character and growth and momentum and all these other things. So it's like the mixture of these two different flavors that create something really, really, really cool. Um, but that's where Dan Harmon's like at his strongest is like making sure that you can have a paintball episode, you can have a Dungeons and Dragons episode, you can have a Law and Order type episode, you can have a zombie episode, you can have, you know, whatever wild episode you want, but it's still going to have char- it's gonna be character focused first. And he understands not just that's where the, the the best storytelling is, but actually the best humor tends to come from that as well. It's not just about being silly and having, you know, Dean Pelton dress up in some weird costume. It is what is that telling us about Dean Pelton? What are we learning about him? What is his story? Why is this a good joke for his character? Or what what about his character informs us to make it funny? As well as interesting and compelling and make you care about the Dean or at least be, uh, you know, interested in the Dean. It's it's first class. And it's through the entire show that Dan Harmon is involved in the show. You bring up an interesting point there. And look, we'll jump around a fair fair bit here. Um, I think I, I'm not as well versed on like the study of media as you are. So you probably have this a little bit a different way. When I watch a film, even if I don't know who the director is, if it's a known director, I can probably guess who it is because everyone has their own shtick, their, mm-hmm. own, their, own, their own style and shtick. Um, <laughs> with TV shows, I've never really had that aside from Dan Harmon. Um, shows when so with community my first impression of it was i didn't like it i thought it was sh- i thought it was garbage mm-hmm. at first so uh for anyone who has listened to story Bro podcast before you may know keelan simpson uh he came up to me one day he said hey you should watch breaking bad and i said no you're stupid and i didn't watch it until season three and then i binged it it was a great, one of my favorite shows ever then he came up to me and said you should watch game of thrones i said no you're stupid and i watched it about season three then one day he came up to me and said, you should watch Community. And I said, you're stupid. And I hung on to that for a long time. To the point, I went to his house one day. He's like, here, watch an episode. And it it just didn't click. It felt too it felt too optimistic. Which, too optimistic. which says a lot about who I was. Do you remember what episode it was? Was it the pilot? No clue. No clue. But it just felt a little okay. bit too clean cut. It, it, okay. it, was, it didn't click. Um, and then it was probably... Hmm, Early in the lockdown, okay. where I sat down and said, "Okay, I need I need to pass the time somehow," and I watched it. I've watched it in its entirety probably four times since. Wow, I've, the whole thing, all six seasons. It wow. is the perfect background show. Sure, the, the, on on par with Superstar, I would say. But Community is also the show that I can sit down and then take in, and every time I watch it, I'm getting these little Easter eggs. The Easter eggs mm-hmm. in the show are so brilliant. And the fact that, like, in my research today, I didn't realize that throughout one of the seasons, um, Annie says Beetlejuice three times. It's over three seasons. Oh, my it's God. The first three There's one in season one, one in season two, and then finally in the Halloween episode. And you see three, Beetlejuice yeah. walking through the background. That's all. That's, that's, that's yeah. the payoff. Yeah. And for them to layer that in, it makes the show something quite special because you can have that absurdity mm. plus that, the heartfelt stuff. I do want to go back because I've mentioned a few times that, you know, you've obviously had your own TV slash film podcast, Hunting Seasons, go check it out. What got you into TV and film as much as you are? There there are definitely a bunch of different touchstones. I've, I've been a fan of TV for a while. The one you come back to is like, if you want to the origin, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
early days like a show I was obsessed with. Uh, and for Damask and I, like co-host of Hunting Seasons, that was very much one of the reasons that we sort of became friends. For many friendships, actually, I realized there's a couple of friendships at uni that also were formed around. I think like the first week I met a friend of mine uh, and we bonded over Buffy and those sorts of things. But community is really important for me in terms of maybe understanding um, the medium of TV and TV writing and sitcoms particularly um, better than I had before. In fact, I did. So I did five years of this original course. Then when I finished that, I always had an ambition to, I did, I saw the ambition that I would like to, you know, be involved in making TV. I kind of always been interested in making film and stuff since I was even in high school. I did a lot of like um, theater and stuff on stage with our friend Jolie Mack in particular. We both did theater together in, in Bendigo and we made like, you know, silly movies and stuff together back in Bendigo as well. And I always liked the idea of getting involved in that. But uh, after Community, why A, started working on a web series with my brother um, and some other friends, but B, then actually did a year of study of film and television um, at Swinburne. Um, I get, It was a three-year course and I gave up after a year because after six years of university in a row, I just needed to start working and making money. It was just not worth – it was just time for me to move on from study for a while. But that's how much Community sort of – made me want to get involved and continue or, or yeah to to really evolve my skills and so from there i haven't be- moved into the world of making television um but i wanted to continue doing something involved with it so that's when damascus and i made the podcast and in, in a lot of ways community inspired that a lot of what i if i would ever make a television so show a lot of what i would want to do would be based off sort of the the foundations of community and how that show was written um, how those characters are sort of conceived um, and how it was all put together, for sure. I will admit, it was our episode of uh, the Story Red podcast where we th- spoke about The Last of Us TV show that locked in the fact that I want to do Love Letters again. Because hearing you actually like, dissect it and break it down in a way that I I don't want, consume media in the same way as you do. But hearing you break it down, I'm like, oh, I'm learning something. This is cool. I like this. And you speak with a re- with a real enthusiasm, and that and that enthusiasm, yeah, community, and again, just like I, I think it, it it comes from. I'll, I'll refer to Dan Harmon a lot here, and he is a controversial figure in some ways. Um, he has notoriously been difficult to work with, um, getting scripts in late, um, has said some things he probably shouldn't have said at different times, has treated people in ways he shouldn't have. He's also an interesting human being because he genuinely seems to want to learn from that, and is also good at genuinely owning up to his um, missteps. Um, there's a whole saga involving one of the writers of Community, Megan Gantz, that um, he was actually, yeah, yeah. there was a bunch of stuff that went on there anyway. Um, that's worth looking into if that fascinates you at all. But he, his enthusiasm for writing and for, for the art form of television has absolutely inspired my enthusiasm for it as well. And also I just think TV has evolved and grown in a lot of ways as I have grown. Like I think back to Buffy coming at a very particular time for me when I was still in high school uh, was sort of some mark as the beginning of the golden age of television. Some would say The Sopranos and The Wire was sort of that, but Buffy is sort of a touchstone for a lot of people. Then this age of like moving on from there to Breaking Bads and your communities and then your Game of Thrones and then your, it's like it, it seems to have evolved and sort of grown 
at a similar rate to me as a human being as well. I've sort of come into adulthood as the the medium has matured. So it's sort of had a similar trajectory, which has been interesting as well. It's we've grown and TV has grown into itself, um, become, I think, the superior medium for storytelling at the moment over movies now. Um, I think the best stories are being told on TV at the moment um, or streaming services. There's a lot of crap out there too, but there is so much high-quality television now. Um, and it's all happened at a very similar rate to, or in, in, along in parallel to my own maturity. It, it, it's strange. I mean, that's quite insightful because, yeah, movies have dropped off considerably. Uh, yeah. Games have sort of leveled out, I think. But you're right. The the best stories I'm consuming lately are TV. I mean, we were just speaking about the bear succession, like things like that. These are genuine stories with phenomenal acting, phenomenal writing. And probably is one of the reasons why some of your, your bigger, you know, movie stars are now doing TV. That's what I mean. It's like you look at where people are going now, yeah, Marvel has captured every A League actor or A list actor and we'll put them in a movie and Fine, but unfortunately, we're getting to the point now where it feels like there's just Marvel. We're actually going through an interesting change at the moment. It seems like superhero films are finally sort of the fatigue is set in and we're going to see a change. It's probably just going to end up being toy and video game movies for the next 10 years, but something's changing. But there used to be a time when if you thought about going into a video store or going to the movies, there were a lot of like mid-budget like adult dramas, you know, those sorts of things. You know, there'd be crime thrillers and stuff like that. And they just don't really exist mm. anymore. You've kind of either got your mega budget blockbusters or you've got your really low budget indie films slash horror films, pretty much. And there's not a lot in between. Either it needs to make all the money or it needs to win awards. Or it's low budget horror, which tends to be a really good money maker. It's why there's so many of them. And then anything else, any other genre or any sort of like serious adult drama is a television show now or a miniseries. And that's why you have your um, your Helen Mirren's uh, doing TV like um, the second season of Big Little Lies and your Cole Kidman's, you know what I mean? Um, your A-list actors, these Oscar-nominated actors are all making TV now um, because that's where the good storytelling seems to be. It's going to be interesting to see where that sort of crosses over with you know, the streaming bubble bursting. You've got all these really... Absolutely. Big actors in these big budget TV shows, and it is to the point like you brought up superhero fatigue before, which I'm mm. in the throes of. I oh, maybe I'll see Blue Beetle because I'm maybe I'm I'm curious about it, but all the Marvel shit, I don't give anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm tired. But what a year it's been for you. Oh, it's, that's happened very quickly. It really has. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You'll see. You'll definitely yeah, see my ups yeah. and my, my my downs with it. Uh yeah, Marvel's broken me as of late. Uh, <laughs> but then also, also streaming, I've been watching a fair bit of TV lately, just jumping around different shows and just having to go between each one and each one's getting more expensive and they've got the password sharing and they're not paying their fucking writers. I'm tired of it. So I, I it, 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 yeah, there's there's definitely the, the 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 Hollywood bubble is bursting with its its blockbuster movies that aren't making money anymore. They're they're losing money hand over fist with like the Flash and Indiana Jones and stuff like this. Um, the the stream bubble is about to burst. I think what we're really um experiencing is late stage capitalism. 
and like just in general, <laughs> yeah, capitalism, the bubble of capitalism is bur- bursting around us in every direction. Um, you're seeing studios in the video game space, you know, laying off studios when they don't make enough money. Square apparently sells millions of copies of its games, but it's never enough to meet expectations because it's never, you know, making more profit than the year before. It's like the, yeah, just the Western world's having a moment. The one true form of art that is still pure is podcasting, my my people, okay? Please, <laughs> Spotify, iTunes. That bubble burst too, but no. it was a while back and yeah. Yes, and I'm in the floating around the remnants, okay? <laughs> for, waiting for the second wave, okay? If ska music can have multiple waves, so can podcasting. Did it have a first wave? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get back into community now i've got two topics here one is vegetables okay. one is dessert which do you want first vegetables oh yeah let's have your vegetables first the drama of it all okay we have dan Harmon, who leaves and uh the subsequent season which doesn't have his writing flair on it is referred to as the gas leak year because it's fucking shit yes. and let's all forget about it it's, <laughs> i can't believe one of the best He's shows ever truly has bad. One of the worst seasons of television on it, and probably the worst first episode yeah. I've ever seen. It, it's it's a, a part of the thing about watching Community for me as well, and why I love it so much is the journey of being on it. Like I said, I, I discovered the show around about second season, but I, like I jumped in at the start, right? And and I was not dissimilar from you. I didn't love it right away. I thought it was fine. Um, it took me until Troy Narbed was singing somewhere out there from um, uh, American. I've had Tale. that in my head all day today. <laughs> it, I think that's the moment I fell in love with the show. There was just something I was like, this show's doing something that like, I know really resonates with me at this point. And then progressively got more and more in love with it and then caught up to as it, as it was releasing. And during season two, which I truly believe is one of the best seasons of television ever made. There are so many outstanding 22 minutes of television in that season. It is ridiculous. The hit rate. Um, there are virtually no stinkers, all top tier, and then some absolute all-timers. And like, not just one or two, but like four, five, six, um, there's a lot in season two. Just love it. But the show, as great as it was, was also a bit weird, a bit out there, and was struggling to keep an audience or to find an audience, right? It was losing audiences went along. So season three comes along, still hitting real high highs, but continues to alienate its audience. And every week I'm hearing about where the community is going to keep going. Is season three going to be the last? Is it going to get a season four? And then Dan Harmon gets fired from the show, but it's going to continue for a fourth season. Okay, that's great. They're going to bring in the creator. Well, it's great that's going. Dan Harmon leaving. I'm extremely worried. They're going to bring in the showrunners from Happy Endings to take over and run the show. Okay, I like Happy Endings. That's a pretty good show. They seem to, un- you know, they've got a good comedy chops. I enjoy that. They're still going to have a lot of the same writers. They're still going to have the core cast. Um, how bad can this be? Turns out really bad. Yeah. Really, 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 really bad. And you start to realize, and this is this is like, there's lots of conversations out there about like auteurs and how much you should really give to auteurs in terms of how well something turns out. You know what I mean? Like TV is made by hundreds, if not thousands of people, cast members, crew members, writers, producers, all of it, right? Same with video games, right? How much can you really put on Metal Gear Solid being as great as because of Hideo Kojima and stuff like that? You know, the auteurs in that genre. But you removed Dan Harmon from Community and you lost it lost its soul. 
it just became and it might be they just put the wrong people in charge but it was it was an imitation of itself and it felt like an imitation of itself and it was genuinely hard to watch as a fan of the show you brought up such a good example there because Hideo Kojima you removed him from Metal Gear and you get Metal Gear Survive <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah elements of what you know but it's delivered in such a weird and just cynical way it was recognizably Metal Gear, I th- guess. It had Metal Gear stuff in there, you know, soldiers and sneaking and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it, it wasn't the Metal Gear Soldier you knew. No, it was. Yeah. And that was the same with Community. Yeah. Season, like, I, I didn't know about the whole gas leak year and, and, and Dan Harmon leaving and all that type of stuff when I watched it. But just- so you, didn't, you got to season four and not knowing that Dan Harmon wasn't involved with that no. season. What was your. As someone who didn't know that, because I always wonder about that too. I always wonder, is that my bias? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I knew what was happening and I went in skeptical. Am I just seeing it as being bad when really it's not that bad? Or did you feel that change as 100%. well? 100%. I think I got to about episode three and I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to watch Scrubs. Like, I'm good. This, yeah. this doesn't feel yeah. right. Um, but I, I, mm. I stuck through and then a bunch of the characters leave. So we have... Uh, Mm. Chevy Chase's Pierce Hawthorne leaves quite unceremoniously at the end of the season. Can we just touch Killed on screen? the ending of season four? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the episode where... Um, I've watched season four once, so go on. Jeff uh, graduates? They graduate, yeah. They graduate because... Um, I think it's that one because... Hold in the on, ne- let me double check that. No, I think they graduate at the end of season five because it's season six where they become teachers. So I'm pretty sure they end, graduate end of season... Five. I'm 99% sure. Yes, no, that, that makes more be sense because Troy leaves midway through season five. Gotcha. Um, yes, exactly right. Yeah, Troy Troy leaves in season five. Yeah, we, yeah, so we have Chevy Chase leaves at the end of season four. Yes, because he leaves before. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, cool. It's such a weird... He leaves the, fir- he's the he's first, the first one, one to go. go, yes. Yeah. Um, he, yes, he was clashing with Dan Harmon throughout the whole series and some of that other actors he was walking out on scenes that he didn't find funny which bold he he also he didn't like the hours and there is something to be said right there's been a lot of talk and i've seen a lot of interviews with the actors particularly the principal cast talking about how great it was being on set it was a really funny place but they were doing extremely late nights because they were still writing scenes as they were shooting so they were often waiting for pages to come through or changes were being made and honestly, that's not actually a good work environment. I think there's arguments to be made that it was unethical and they were like, this is part of the, this is what's going on with the writer strike at the moment is like the unionization for actors um, and writers is like to make sure that if they aren't required to stay late, as they sometimes will be, they'll be compensated for that. They're not expected to stay later than they should. And, you know, it's I think it's fair to argue that that. Chevy probably had some legitimate concerns about what he was being asked to do. You'll you'll notice even in some episodes, Pierce is not there necessarily or is like written out of scenes or given a side story that's like got three scenes that are like over there out of the way because it's like- And then during the day. uh, Yeah, whatever it might be. And it's like they just sort of pushed him out of the way possibly to keep him happy, possibly because they didn't want him on set with the rest of the actors, whatever it might be. But I think, yeah, I think there was they were had to move around the fact that he wasn't willing to, to do the hours that were being demanded of them, and potentially rightly so. 
doesn't excuse the racism, but um, but like he wasn't necessarily he had reasons to be upset as well. I think. Yeah, um, there's definitely a right way to voice those concerns. You know, ticketing and things mm, like that. Mm, mm, mm. There's a wrong way, um, which I believe he dropped a few slurs. Uh, which d- don't yes. do that, Chev. Don't. Let's not do that. I'm sure you can find the recording of the voicemail they left Dan Harmon online somewhere. Because I believe Dan, I believe Dan played it on the Harmontown podcast, um, which I used to listen to as well. It was quite interesting. Justin Rowland used to be on that and a few others. And um, you can hear the voicemails that he left Dan Harmon there. Yeah, he was not a nice man. No, not at all. He isn't a nice man. Somebody who is a nice man is Donald Glover, Childish Cambino, if you will. Don Glover. He leaves yeah. middle of season five. And season five is actually not that bad because this is when mm. Harmer came back. Season five is great. But you there yeah. is definitely a tonal shift midway through. Yeah, I mean, it's losing Pierce was one thing. And I think Pierce is we can talk about like how important Pierce is, I think, to the group dynamic. Season two is as good as it is because Pierce is an incredibly good villain. Really, really, really good villain. Um and they handled it really well by having him be a part of the core cast. He wasn't an external force. He wasn't. He was in the group, and the friction between him and Jeff, in particular, but the rest of the study group, is extremely good drama. And then um, him leaving leaves a hole. But like Pierce is not everyone's favorite part of the show. Troy is a lot of people's favorite part of the show. Everyone loves Troy. He is. Uh, it's argued within the thesis of the show, he is the heart of the study group. Like he is like the most important part of that study group and why they function as well as they do. And um, I love his farewell episode. I love the um, the Flora's Lava episode. Uh, but there was certainly a lot of worry that like, yes, Dan Harmon's back, but if, if Don Glover's leaving and Troy is leaving and we've already lost Pierce, is this still community? And I actually think it's to the credit of the show that while – it doesn't try to like create a new Troy, but it cr- introduces a new character who has their own things, or and just it's a different show, but it's still a really quality show. It's still I really love the last two seasons, even with the inc- inclusion of Frankie and and um um and the others as well. It's like Frankie, Elroy, and Buzz. Yeah, they are they are all great in their own way, and they're all one season wonders. But I. They fit into the show and have their own um, their own things that make them funny and interesting. And it's it's not exactly the same it was in season one, but it evolves into something of its own that's still great. It's not my favorite part of the show. I think the first three seasons are always be the, the strongest, but it's it's very good still and very funny. And that's a credit. That's a credit, I think, to the writing in the show that it can still be good. Donald Glover leaving is what broke um, our bed for me. Abed, of all the characters, is probably the, the most okay. one-note wonder. He's very funny in small doses when he has a foil. Once that was gone, he, the, the tone of the character changed and you realize that people were just kind of enabling him. And it took um, uh, Jonathan Banks' character to finally somebody to stand up to him a little bit. But I, I, mm. I don't know. He lost a lot. He didn't have anything to anyone to bounce off anymore. And it just became the same thing over and over again. Like he's, he breaks the fourth wall. Everything's a TV show. Everything's a movie. Everything's a reference. Okay. We need um, more yeah. from him. I see that. I, the, 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 the tag team of Troy and Abed 
is like trying up it in the morning and all that stuff, right, is one of the most charming parts of the show, no doubt about it. And why it works so well for four and a half seasons, three and a half seasons, we don't count season four. Um, I do like when they make Arbed the villain in season three. I think what the show does is he stops being the quirky reference guy and does start to become actually kind of a malevolent force in his own way. And and then there's this back and forth of that as the show goes on. He is he's not the innocent one anymore. There is a darkness. And actually, I think that's the thing about the show in general that I love. I think everyone's got an element of darkness. And the show is not unhappy to dive into that darkness and explore that darkness. Some of my favorite episodes are like season two, uh, the episode where it's Troy's birthday. It turned, they think it's his 20th. It's actually his 21st. So they go out and have a first drink. They go to a bar. They all get drunk. And it's kind of this gross, sloppy, uncomfortable. It's not one of those genre episodes. You know, it's not a paintball. It's not a, a Dungeons and Dragons. It's not a, um, you know, I don't know, one of the million, a cop show, whatever. It's just our characters going to a bar, getting drunk, kind of getting annoyed with each other, getting a bit gross airing their dirty laundry, but it it was an incredible like growth episode for Troy, who'd been the the goofy buffoon, the idiot, the Homer Simpson of sort of the show, and had him a moment to sort of be the mature one. And it turns out he's kind of the heart. And, and that exploration I love. Or um one of the best episodes of television ever made, um, Remedial Chaos Theory, where they're rolling the die to see who goes to get the pizza. And we find out what does it mean if you remove one of these members from the group? And Troy leaves, and the it literally everything falls apart, and it becomes uh, like a disaster in the group. Or Jeff leaves, and everyone's happy. And what does it mean that when Jeff's not there, everyone's dancing and singing Roxanne, Roxanne together, and like having a great time? And I'm getting shivers thinking about it because it's so profound and so sad in what is also a hilarious 22 minutes of television, I think is magical. I think it's so good. It's that second flavor you get when watching it a second time. Oh, I, I mean, that one I got the first time. I like It hit me like a fucking train. But that's because I was so invested in the characters and I was already so in tune and impressed with what the show was doing. That one, oh man, those, those are weird days in season three when it looked like the show was getting cancelled and I'm watching the show just like continue to just... Do such great work. I'm just, I'm heart. I was already heartbroken and it hadn't even been cancelled well, yet. Speaking of it getting cancelled, so it looked like season five was possibly going to be the last. Um, Hulu was going to yeah. pick it up for a sixth season because it was carrying the show at the time. That fell through. On the day of the actors' mm. contracts formally expiring, last Yahoo second. Screen, you know, Yahoo Screen, <laughs> they jumped in and grabbed it for um for the sixth, Thank sixth you, Yahoo. season. Um, Helping to hopefully get one step closer. I want to believe like someone at Yahoo was just a massive community fan like me. And like, just like, we've got money. We're Yahoo. Is Yahoo still a thing? I'm not even sure. Just like, let, we, we should have a streaming service. Let's put community on it and go for another six season and got us to that six season. Ugh, someone, that person deserves a hug <laughs> from me. One character who didn't return, um, Yvette Nicole Brown left the show um, yeah. for, for family reasons. Mm-hmm. I also think they also didn't really have a proper farewell episode for her, which felt a bit odd because she was one of the main characters. 
Well, she left between seasons, so it was hard to have that. They ended up finding room to give her um, an Ed credit scene in there that sort of explained that she went off to base. She basically span off into like a detective crime drama. I was a, <laughs> a different big show fan of that. I love it. It gave me the same vibes of um. There's a Simpsons bit where they talk about uh uh Chief Wiggum and Principal Skinner. Going off and solving crimes in yes. New Orleans, and then the crocodile. It reminded me of that. Just going somewhere else. It's crime. It's great. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do want to bring up. I, I don't think they ever ha- they ever really knew what to do with her character. She is a character that kind of did stall at one point, um, where she was either overtly nice, and then she had a real like bitchy side to her, and they just they she didn't grow. Are there any characters in the show that you just don't think their development was? What it should have been. I, I think I think it's fair to say that Shirley was the least well-developed character. They, and they tried a few different things. They had her pregnant with potentially Chang's baby. They had her get back together with her ex-husband. They've they did. I think there's some really good Shirley episodes. I really do. I like uh, particularly the episode in season three where Jeff and Shirley find out they actually knew each other. Um, Shirley was Jeff's bully yes. when they were playing foosball back at some like. Like there is, I think there's some really good Shirley stories in there, but I think it's also fair to say that she was, I think on the surface and even the show sort of talks about this. She's, she isn't necessarily that deep. And she also just, if you look at the group, um, five of the seven of the main cast are much younger people. It's like Jeff Britta and then three children basically. And then the next level up is Pearson and Shirley and Shirley's not Pierce's age, but she's too old to really be cool and hip with the younger ones. And then Pierce is so old, he's just sort of the racist grandpa, um, but who creates becomes a great villain. I do wonder whether they could have done something like that with Shirley. Yeah, yeah. She's the least well-fleshed-out character. I still love Shirley. I still think she has... I think that Nicole Brown has some of the best lines and delivery. It's like uh, there, are, there are jokes involving Shirley that I think are absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, sure. She's under. I think there's two other characters whose development I didn't love. One regains it. So the first one being Chang. I think at one point that Chang spins out of control. Mm-hmm. The whole Changnesia, and then the when he tries to have his own like Changnesia season four. Yeah, isn't it? It, it was. It, he never recovered from that. It was garbage. Um, Chang as sure the the Spanish teacher at the start, incredible. That is. He's such a good professor in that show. That first episode where he's talking about, mm. like, why do people think that I can't be a Spanish teacher? Why do I have to be doing something else? <laughs> and then he just cuts back and is like, okay, cool, your project's due tomorrow. That killed me. <laughs> the other one was, I I think, for me, Dean Pelton has the funniest moments in the show. I love Dean Pelton. Mm-hmm. But after season four onwards, his character started to get a little bit creepy. And I've been, I've been watching a few little videos on it, and a lot of them say it did kind of steer into the whole like gay panic thing, where he was stalking Jeff, and it just because he was like a, I, I, I saw him called a wholesome pansexual imp, which I think sums up his character really, really yes. well. And he stopped being yes. wholesome, and I didn't love that because he's such a good actor. Actually, um, Sophie's watching Reno Nine One One again, and I'm watching mm. an episode, and I'm like. Who's this uh, half-naked guy they're arresting? I, I know that voice. Of course, it was Jim Rash. Jim Rash is the best. Jim Rash. The Oscar winner, Jim Rash. What did he win an Oscar for? Um, 
Yeah, he won an Oscar for writing that. There was a George Clooney film from a few years back. Yeah, they won an Oscar for it. Fuck yeah. yeah. Sure. The, th- the funny thing about those two, though, that you mentioned, Chang and Dean Pelton, is neither are a part of the study group. Like, both of them start as side characters. They're not core characters. I think Chang Zee's best in season two. I like season one Chang a lot. I think he's very funny in that one, obviously. I, th- I really like season two Chang, who's no longer a teacher, is a student and is trying to join the study group. I think that's some of my favorite Chang. I love that. Um, the way that he keeps trying and trying and the the study group, you know, admit eventually we'll let him in, but they just keep sort of denying him and that drives him mad. Dean Pelton is hilarious. Again, both of those characters weren't really meant to be long-term yeah. characters. The Dean in particular was meant to be almost a one and done, but they loved what he was doing so much they made him a part of the show. And I think some of the most hilarious moments in the show are also from Dean Pelton's I'm not fussed that those two are mostly caricatures and not actually in-depth characters. If you, you know, if it went to season 12, maybe you get there. And there's enough little bits here and there that are interesting to talk about their vulnerability. Like Dean Pelton, when he went to the bank dressed as uh, like half man, half woman, because he had good news and bad news. And then he has this like epiphany yeah. off screen about like, you know, people really interested in my outfit and like, you know, uh, uh, there are moments in there that are both funny and kind of sweet at the same time. But I, I don't. I don't need them to necessarily, you know, be complex or in depth. That's fine. We don't need to know what makes Starburns tick. You know what I mean? We don't need to know Leonard's backstory. You know, in World War Two or something like that. It's fine. They it. can just be funny for the sake of being funny. But I'd watch it. Um, okay, let's move on. I just want to know your, fa- your favorite jokes. It. We just spoke about Dean Pelton and um, Chang, and I think they have. My two favorite moments in the show, but I'll actually I'll give mine first. When you have a think of it, you tell me. Bear down for midterms. Bear down. Holy for midterms. that season shit. six. Uh yes, it is because um, uh, Frankie's in it. Bear down for midterms. That is yeah, so yeah, yeah. funny. It makes no sense, and the payoff is golden. There's that, and also Dean Pelton's rap where. He yeah, gets the out of control. Is an all timer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Incredible. I don't know what came. Over, oh, it's I so good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I I think well, I, I think one of the best episodes of the show. Okay, hmm. okay. One I love definitely is Dungeons and Dragons episode, and this is a whole setup to this, which is what I love about it. Is like they Arbet is the DM. And his character, they need to get something from this character, they need to get unicorns from this character. And Jeff's character is like being asked to seduce Arbid's character. And Jeff doesn't feel comfortable with that. So Annie steps in um, with the character Hector the Well-Endowed and delivers this like, there's no audio. It's like a montage of her like uh, miming this, like bring out this huge member and showing like, three, four fingers being inserted into something. <laughs> it's like just really funny watching Alison Brie like mime this disgusting sex act that's happening with Arbed. And then at the end of it, we cut back and Arbed like falls back in like, uh, you know, fully um, uh, satisfied. And Alison Brie says to end the... The, this whole thing it's like i lay with her for the appro- uh, and stroke her hair for the appropriate amount of time and it just turns to troy who just looks up from writing down notes and just says how long was that and then keeps writing it's just the delivery from don glover in that is 
phenomenal and just like tops off this perfect like minute long hilarious sequence love it to bits but that's the thing you could name there are so many little mini moments here and there little references or jokes or big jokes in the background like Abed helping a woman to deliver a baby in the background of one episode or like there's so much detail it's very hard to, to pinpoint a particular one but I've always loved that one. I, I, I- I don't want to go into it too much, but I will just say I, I I would be remiss if I don't mention this. The relationship between Annie and Jeff is weird. I don't love it. And hmm. Annie doing Santa Baby is mm. don't love it. Don't love it. What do you mean? It's, what do you mean? I don't know. It's so what off. do you mean? That is hilarious. It's, okay, let's talk about it's funny hilarious. jokes. Funny jokes is the the Leaning into the cute baby Santa baby oh, bullshit to the point where it's like, as Jeff said, I think you hit a diminishing return on yes, the sexiness. 100%. Is so funny. It's so funny. Because that's the thing about Alison Brie as well. If Alison Brie is the most disgusting, like, she loves, like, all sorts of jokes about, like, sex and stuff. If you watch the bloopers and She's stuff like hilarious. that, she is the most lewd She's person. She's hilarious. Of Annie. And she absolutely embraced that moment and went, I'm going to go all the way with this. And it is so fucking funny. So funny. It was, it made me uncomfortable, which is exactly what she was going for. I love that. I, I, I mean, at first it's, I was, I was fully in and then it gets yes, uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, all right. It's perfect. Six seasons in a film. We've hit six seasons at this point. The film is coming, probably, possibly. It looks it like all coming. the cast. It's probably filming. It oh, actually, filming. it won't yeah. be right now. Who knows? Who knows what's happening now? It looks like yet. all the cast is coming back, aside from Chevy. But there's no real clue of what the film will be about. Broad, you said you wanted to make mm-hmm. TV and film. Here's a chance. Pitch. Yeah. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of places you can go with this, right? I think a lot of people have said they should make it a paintball episode. So some of the most famous episodes of Community are the paintball episodes in season one. There's t- two of them in season two. Like, there's a bunch of them over the course of the se- series. That would be an obvious choice. I think a third, like, making the trilogy of D&D episodes would be good. I think the first one's fantastic. The second one's just okay. I think a third one of those wouldn't be a bad idea. My personal belief is that three of the best episodes and the ones I probably return to the most are the three Christmas episodes from season one, season two, and season three. The first season is the one where we find out they all have completely different religions and trying to like celebrate Christmas together is and like the meaning of Christmas. The second episode is Abed's um, like delusion Christmas where he finds out his mum is not going to visit for Christmas and he sort of has this like mental breakdown and then a, the whole episode is stop motion animated as they try to group therapize Arbed to figure out what's gone wrong because he sees the world in, in clay motion. And this is a good example of what, and Dan Harmon talks about this, how Christmas sort of has this inherent darkness to it, especially in the Northern Hemisphere. Christmas is like this beacon of light in the middle of the darkest coldest part of the year and it's it's this kind of a sadness around it and he embraces that and sort of what the the beauty of christmas at the same time as being this beacon in the middle of that darkness that episode's a perfect example of that the third episode we just mentioned with the santa baby episode the santa baby bit it's just a glee musical and i love it but also it um there are some moments in there talking about like the 
end of this story coming into sort of trying to wrap up the story of community, etc. It's There's some darkness in there too, but it ends on a sweet note, this chosen family note. I think a community movie should be a Christmas movie because I think it encapsulates what community is so good at in terms of being both funny and bright and hopeful, but touching on the darkness as well. And also because I would have an excuse to watch it every year. I want the community movie to be a Christmas movie. I think it would be perfect. Because we never got one past season three, right? Season four didn't have one. Season five didn't have one. Season six didn't have one. And they're the fucking best. I'm, as somebody who doesn't actually like Christmas movies and TV shows, I'm all about that. That really does fix a lot of issues about bringing the group back together and like what the message and stuff could be. And it would end on a sweet note, which if it's going to be the last note we get of community, mm. you want it to be that. You want it to be that sound family coming together and enjoying the holidays. I'm I'm all for that. Yeah. The other obvious thing to do uh, is to there's the, the the thing inside the show is that after Troy left to go sailing around the world, um, it, in the was it the the childish tycoon, childish tycoon or whatever tycoon, it is? Yeah. It's got a name that yeah. That in one of the, I think on TV at some stage, you hear that that he um, has gone missing, basically, like that the boat has like sailed off course or something like that. Um, and uh, the obvious thing would be to try and find Troy. The problem with that, though, is it wouldn't be set at Greendale. I think it needs to be set at Greendale. So maybe Troy returning and something being wrong with Troy could work but i don't think going to find troy yeah you can't leave the school because i'm as soon as you mentioned that i'm thinking of um no not too much i haven't seen it but the sex and city movie when they leave new york for half the film or something like that like isn't no most of the film they go to like saudi arabia they go to uh abu dhabi where's the city like the city Uh, i've seen that film not good it's horrendous Oh my god, it's bad. Maybe this podcast needs to spin it's off so of like bad. hate letters, hate mail, and we watch movies that we fucking despise. <sighs> Maybe I'll consider that. All right, right up there. Before we wrap up, Broad, describe your relationship with community in three words. Um, inspired. Um, oh, uh, inspired. Um. Oh, love, love's a terrible word. I'm not using love. Inspired, heartfelt, um, unique. Uh, I don't love that. Yeah, I don't love that. It's it's interesting that you you said absurd a lot earlier, and like there is absurdity in there. It is very heightened humor. I think one of the things I did want to say, just why I also love community. Is is how daring it is Ooh, for a sitcom. Yeah. Like it is the opposite of safe, right? Like it is constantly taking risks and making, you know, whether it's a, it's a reference or just not sticking to the rules of what a sitcom should do. It's it's making like the Dungeons and Dragons episode. I'll, I'll keep coming back to it because it's such a brilliantly written episode. But like it it took like no one gave a shit about Dungeons and Dragons back then. It's now a huge deal. Like. It's it's grown into like this mega industry of its own online and stuff like that. The Dungeon Dragon movie came out last year, etc. But like that was like a really specific nerdy thing that no one gave a shit about, and they were willing to make a whole episode based around it. That's one of my favorites. Um, doing things like the clip show episode, which they've do two of those where they're like, it's not a real clip show. They're 
referencing clips from episodes of the show that we've never seen to tell a story or um, cooperative calligraphy, which is also one of my favorite episodes in season two, which is a bottle episode where all the characters get stuck in the study room together and is one of the best written and most funny and like compelling episodes ever of community. And it's just set in one fucking room. The yeah. The pen yeah. and his pen. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. It is like, there is, I've got no notes for that, that episode. Megan Gantz was the head writer on that and she fucking nailed it. It's so, 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 so good. Um, but it was, to- it was constantly willing to take risks. Um, and most more often than not, they worked. That the we talked about remedial chaos theory, the one where they throw the die to see who gets the pizza, and we see seven different versions of that same story. They all have to go for about three minutes each to make them work, and they're all really funny, but really revealing. Like this show was daring, um, and I really, really love that about it. Well, um, before I bequeath you your uh, jar of sperm for as a thank you for being on the episode. Um, <laughs> Do you have anything to plug or where can people find you? Also sperm. Uh I no. No. I've got nothing. nothing. I've actually not just left Twitter, I have deactivated my Twitter account. Uh if you would like, go and find Hunting Seasons. Um it's still out there. There are 200 episodes. Uh we review seasons of TV. We did review season 1 and 2 of Community during the lockdowns in Melbourne because I needed something to watch that was a warm blanket and community was that for me i really wish we got to do season three at least we never quite got there unfortunately but we uh had 198 other reviews as well if you want to listen to something else um you can find that hunting seasons uh tv podcast on apple or google or wherever you like to stream podcasts spotify all that good jazz that's it um i'm being a dad at the moment don't know <laughs> when i'm going to come back to the podcast scene hopefully hopefully early next year we'll see uh, I'll, I'll grab you on for some um bonus episodes i've already got a few things in the older uh, the old brain to work on on something but oh lovely while you're on spotify itunes and apple and all the good podcasting platforms make sure you give hunting season the a good listen and a review also check out love letters which is the show you listen to now so that should be pretty easy mm-hmm. give us a review give us a like subscribe all that type of stuff i'm a fragile ego and i i need it i need it so give me what i need um we're also over on the socials, uh, threads and Instagram at Love Letters Show. Look, we're on Twitter, I guess, at Love underscore Letters Pod. Uh, X, don't Jesse. Bring it's that now called shit. X. I can edit. I'll edit that out. Um, look, I don't know. Now that I can't block people on there, I'm- I love it. every time I read a news article. Every time I look at a news article, it's wait, you can't he block wants people. To, on he wants anymore. to remove the ability to block people. I got off at the Ooh, right yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I got off Things at the right time. Things are about to go full Chevy um, Chase. Every time I read an article, and that. Oh. <laughs> I, every time I read uh, an article on like ABC News, something like that, they refer to Twitter. No, they refer to X, parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. So you know what yeah. they're talking about. Because X is not a yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap it up there before we go into a rant because you and I would rant about that for a while. Broad. We would. Thank you so much for jumping in. That was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Listeners, I hope you had... Thank you for having me. I hope I was was okay. Uh, Listeners, thank you for joining in. Hope you had fun. Hope you go go tell us what your favorite episode of Community is. Tell us what your idea for a film is. But in the meantime, Mm. be safe. Be good to each other. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Mm.
Bye.